Praise God. I'd like to go to the book of Romans, chapter number 7. Romans, chapter number 7. As a human being, I think that's all of us looking around. Yeah, that's all of us. Anybody here ever do something you didn't want to do? I don't mean like carrying out the garbage. Let me say that differently. Anybody here ever do something you knew you shouldn't do and you wished you wouldn't do, but you did anyway? Some of us are. Did you ever do that and then tell yourself, I'm not going to do that again? Okay, good, good, good. See, see we're, in, we're in light company. And then did you ever do it again? Look at that, we're human. Now being human doesn't justify sin. Right? I understand that. I've been talking to the Lord about this. You know what the Lord told me? He said, you have a marriage problem. Now, if you're sitting here and you're going, I'm not married. (laughs) Oh, that's not what this is about tonight. The Lord wants to help us. He wants us to live in victory. And he wants us to live a life that pleases and glorifies him. This is his desire. And we cannot do that, as we all know, because we all just showed, in our own effort and our own ability. So... I guess we'll just read from verse 1 since I'm going to read really fast because there's a lot of scripture, so you just follow along, okay? It'll be up there. And so, Brother Jeremiah, you just move with me when you recognize I move. You can. Paul is writing to the church. Know ye not, or don't you know, brethren? For I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion or power over a man or a woman as long as they live. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband's dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she gets married to another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's free from that law so that she's no adulteress, though she marries another man. We understand all that, right? We agree with that. The word of God's still true. Amen? Okay, good, good. Now, again, if you're here and going, oh, man, this is only for married people tonight. No, this is for all of us. We're not talking to, just just stay with us. Let's stay together. Verse 4. So he said all that, and then he said, wherefore? 
Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Everybody say, by the body of Christ. Now, remember what he said in verse 1, the law has dominion over you. As long as you live. Now, the, the reason that's a rough statement for us is because we can't live up to the law. And the law having dominion over us proves that we can't live up to the law. And therefore, we continue to fall short and miss the mark or sin. And the wages of sin is death. And so we're dead to the law, so thankful, by the body of Christ. But notice that's not the end of the statement. We're dead to the law by the body of Christ, that or for this reason, that you should be married to another. Everybody say married to another. I'm not talking in the natural right now. Don't misunderstand me here. That's what the word says. You should be married to another. You are under the law. But by the body of Christ, he redeemed you from the law, delivered you from what you could not live up to yourself. But he didn't just pay the price so you would be delivered from the law. That's only the first part of the equation. And therein lies the challenge in our world today. And in, I don't even want to call it Christendom, because that's making light of the word. In um, religious churchdom. Is we have many people proclaiming the first half. Oh no, I'm free from the law because of Jesus Christ. That's absolutely true. But you've never completed the process and been married to Jesus Christ. You want to celebrate being made free from the law by what he did, but you're not interested in a lifelong into eternity commitment to him for what he did. I want the freedom from the law, but I don't want the commitment of my life. And the scripture says, remember where I started? I said, Lord, what's the deal? He said, the problem is you're, well, why do I do what I don't want to do? He said, you got a marriage problem. Don't shoot the messenger. And so we have many, many, many. Yeah, I'm going to say it. We have many, many false prophets. That are teaching and preaching week after week after week after week. Because of Jesus Christ, you are free from the law. And so heaven will be your home. You're just saved by grace. Doesn't matter what else you do. Not true. You're dead to the law body, body of Christ. That you should be married to another. I've been married 20, almost nine years. Is that right, baby? I've been married almost 29 years. That's a bit of time. 
I'm committed to her. She's committed to me. You understand this? It's, I'm committed. She thinks I should be committed some days, but I'm not talking about that. I'm committed to the relationship. I'm committed to the marriage. All right? When, when she walked down the aisle and we stood together there on that platform and we exchanged I do's and we said all that stuff, those things that are called vows, the scripture says it's better to never make a vow than to vow and then break it. When we did that, we made those vows to one another, these promises of a lifelong commitment to one another. That's serious stuff. And it's patterned after Christ and his church. And so when she said, I do, and the preacher, Brother Thornton, said, Joel, you may now kiss your bride. I lifted that veil up. And I planted one right on her. I'd reenact, but she probably wouldn't let me. I, and, then the, and then Brother Thornton said, he had us turn around and we faced the audience together. Paying attention, Gabe and Sandra. Okay. He had us turn around and face the audience together. And he said, ladies and gentlemen. I now present to you, Mr. and Mrs. Joel Hart. He didn't even say her name. Oh, but he did. He did. She gave up her identity. And we became one flesh under one name for life. And that pattern is a pattern after Christ's relationship with the church. And we have a. In our world today, and it's crept into apostolic circles. We have people that want to walk down the aisle, kneel at an altar, go through the waters of baptism purchased by the blood. But they want to stop. Say, hold on a minute. I still want to keep my identity. I, I still want to live my life. I read something the other day, and it was about a couple, and it said they were perfect for each other because he did all of this, and this was his life, and she did all of this, and this was her life. And so he traveled a lot, and she traveled a lot. And so their marriage was convenient and perfect for one another because they, I'm like, they weren't married. I don't look for ways to get away from my wife. I mean, not too often. But I mean, every once in a while, we need our space. We're human. Don't, I'm not going to paint some fake picture here. But more often, much, much, much more often than not, I want to be in her company. I want her. Matter of fact, today, I was, 
I, was, I came upstairs. I was going to sit down by her with my laptop since I was working at home. I was going to sit down by her. And the baby was asleep, so she got up and went off and was doing something. So I just went and sat in my chair by myself. I didn't tell her that, but, well, now she knows. No, but what we have going on in our world, and like I said, happening after, is we have people that don't want to make the commitment to the marriage part. Oh, but no, 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 I, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I accepted him in my life. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I was even baptized. Yes, in Jesus' name. And, and, and dare I say, some will say, I was even filled with the Holy Ghost. But you know, you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, when the trumpet sounds, that spirit, if it doesn't dwell in you, there's nothing in you that quickens your mortal body to lift you out of here. It's the Word of God. So you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But being filled with the Holy Ghost or receiving the Holy Ghost once along the journey doesn't mean I'm in the marriage relationship. I'm really trying to read more. Pardon my work shirt. I'm sort of going to keep this on just because of work shirt, but I'm hot. We're not videoing tonight because we left all that at home. If I get married, which I, I have, obviously, you know, and then I... And then I do not remain committed to my marriage. It's still convenient. I don't end the marriage, you understand? I don't, I don't go and divorce. But I don't remain faithful in the marriage. The scripture calls that fornication. You understand that? Fornication is intimate relationship outside of marriage. Okay? Um. Scripture uses two words. It uses fornication and adultery. And I felt like the Lord is saying one of the reasons we, one of the greatest reasons that we struggle with doing what we should do is because there's spiritual fornication. I know this isn't comfortable. I'm not trying to be uncomfortable. The Lord loves us and he's saying, I want you to myself. I don't want to share you with somebody else. He's a jealous God. Hosea was an example. Read the book of Hosea. Israel went out. He married a harlot named Gomer, a prostitute named Gomer. The Lord said, go get her and bring her and marry her. He did. And then. Even though Hosea treated her wonderfully, she still went back to prostitution. And so Hosea went back and got her again and brought the Lord said, go get her again. And so made her, had children, named his children. The poor kids, their name meant God won't have mercy. God will, I mean, terrible. That's what their names meant. And, and so he said, go back and get her again. And then the Lord said, I'm going to change their name. I'm going to change your name. And, I'm gonna, and the Lord made it beautiful. And he's, he used... Hosea and Gomer, real people, a prophet of God, and this lady, he used to say, this is how my people treat me, even though how I have you treating her is how I treat them. 
And so we have to look at that. I'm dead to the law by the body of Christ that I should be married to another. Let's read further. Let's, let's keep going. I didn't plan on all that. Here we are. Who should I be married to? Even to him who is raised from the dead. Why should I be married to him? That we should bring forth fruit unto God. Now, in the natural, when a husband and wife come together and are intimate, they have, we see in the Old Testament, when we talk about Abraham and them, we don't do it. Now we just say they're having a child. In the Old Testament, they would say the fruit of his loins. A child would be born to Abraham, the fruit of his loins. This is exactly what the prophet is taught, or Paul is addressing here in the church spiritually. When we're married to Christ, there is an intimacy in our relationship, us and Christ, to where fruit is produced from the intimacy of our relationship. Why do you think people want gifts of the Spirit more than fruit of the Spirit? Because gifts, I can just give you a gift. There you go. No intimacy required. It's a gift. There you go. You had the gift. You, and the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And but fruit, you want to see how come somebody can operate in the gifts but not have love, not have peace, not what's going on? Well, they received a gift from the Lord, but they're not intimate enough, long-term enough to have the fruit of the Spirit revealed in their lives. What happens with me on the job, with you on the job in my home? How come, how come I can, man, I can really feel the Spirit of the Lord at times. I can move in the Spirit of God. But man, some, ooh, I don't feel like I got a whole lot of spiritual fruit operating that exchange that took place at work. What took place? I'll tell you what happened. Spiritual intimacy wasn't there. It's spiritual intimacy that produces fruit. You don't get the fruit of the Spirit by Him just handing it to you. Some of you have heard me say this before, but... It's the reason they call fruit produce. Probably not, but that's what I think. It's produced. It's not just given. It starts with a seed. The seed is nurtured, cared for. You should be married to another, to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Let's read further. Verse 5. For when we... Hold on. Pause. Now we read this and we talk about this. And, and I can feel some of us going... And I'm, I mean, I even feel it. I'm standing here talking about it. It's like, man, this is sort of... You got to navigate that a little careful. It's sort of a little bit awkward. You know, we're sort of trying to... Make, are we talking about the spirit? Are we in the natural? Where are we at here? There's, you know, we're sort of... No, what we're realizing is the Lord was saying... This is how personal and intimate and real I desire this spiritual relationship with you. You want to make it surface. You want to put it out here. And No, he's talking about intimacy with him. We talked about fellowship a couple of weeks ago. This is what he's talking about. Fellowship with him will produce intimacy with him. I'm not talking about some strange, weird thing. I'm talking about fellowship with the Spirit of God. And an intimacy with the Spirit of God that produces fruit in us that glorifies Him. Verse 5. When, we, when, past tense, 
we were in the flesh, in the motions of sin, which were by the law, those worked in our members to bring forth fruit to death. In other words, what we were doing before him, before we got married to him, was going to kill us. We can relate to that. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead, wherein we were held, we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. I'm not trying to do everything, cross every T, dot every I, follow the rules, rules, rules. I'm now in an intimate relationship with him. And so I'm seeking to live my life in a new way where it's rooted in love, not in rules. And because I love him, I obey his commandments. If you love me, what's the rest say? You'll keep my commandments. Notice, he didn't say if you're afraid of going to hell, you'll keep my commandments. Because he wasn't wanting to motivate us with fear. If you love me, if you got this relationship with me where you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All right. Let's skip down to verse uh, 14 for sake of time. Now, it's interesting what Paul says. We know the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. You and I are carnal, in case you didn't know that. We're sold under sin. Here's what he said. I want to read in the New Living Translation. Paul's writing here sometimes. Oh, my face ID is not working. I forgot what my face looked like. One second, I'm typing here. I have a long password because it's my corporate phone, too. Have to have that. Okay. So Romans 7 and verse uh, 14. I, I want to go back to verse 5 in the New Living Translation real quick. Listen to what 5 says. When we were controlled by our old nature... Sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it. How did we die to it? Through the body of Christ. None of us died, did we? No, Christ died. And through repentance, Brother Nelson, through repentance, we die with Christ. All right? We've been released from the law. We died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of trying to obey the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. This is the result of being married to Christ. All right, so skip down to verse 14. And I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Everybody say me. See why I like the New Living Translation. It just sort of gets right where I'm at. Trouble's not with the law. Say, oh, thank goodness the law was a problem. No, 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 no. The trouble's not with the law. It was spiritual and it was good. The trouble's with me. For I am all too human. I'm a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right. Anybody, does it sound like any of us? I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. 
Instead, I do what I hate. But I know that what I'm doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Now notice, the Apostle Paul is not saying, oh, but you know what? I'm fine. The problem isn't me. It's sin in me. Oh, no, 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 no. He's saying, hey, if you're you're married to Christ, the issue is sin in you if you're still doing this. And so you got to deal with the sin. That's what he's saying. The issue isn't that, well, because I'm human and I've been filled with the Spirit and the law was bad. No, no, he's saying the law was spiritual. The law was good. The issue is with me. And when I'm doing wrong, it's revealing the fact that there's sin in me. I'm giving in to sin. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh or in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Man, he sounds like a human being, doesn't he? Notice, sometimes we read that and we think he's justifying doing wrong. No, 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 no. He's talking about his sinful nature when it's yielded to. And when sin isn't dealt with. Okay? I've discovered this principle of life. Oh, no, verse 20. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life. When I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me. Notice what he says here, too. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. There's another power in me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. So he's acknowledging I haven't dealt with some sin that's still there. And if I don't, and I can't fix it on my own, I've got to come to him and I've got to let him continue to wash and renew and let the blood work in my life. I've got to let it continue, right? There's another power. Within me, it's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And he talks about that condition. What does it do to a person? He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Now, do you think God intends for us to live as miserable people? Anybody? No. So is Paul saying all of this is the way he's supposed to be all the time and he's just supposed to be? No, he was telling us what was going on and the result of it. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. I don't think Paul lived his whole life as a miserable person. He was talking about this war between the members, between his flesh and the flesh battling with his mind versus living to the will of God. And he said, as long as I'm living that way, as long as you and I are living that way, I'm a miserable person. It's a marriage problem. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, do you think Paul, the Apostle Paul's life as a child of God was forever dominated by sin and by death? 
Anybody think that? No. That's why we know what he's saying here and what he's writing here. He's not speaking as though he lived this way every day. But he's talking about this war between the members and making it real, saying, hey, I dealt with this too. I lived this way too. I had this war that was going on. And the reason you're wrestling church at Rome is because you haven't settled the marriage issue. You need to know who you're married to. That was the root. It was the root. You know, we live in a world today where... This is not in the notes. Here we are. We live in a world today where there is a new thing. That's probably not a new thing. It's just more open now in our world. We live in a world today where people have what they call open marriages. Anybody ever heard of that? That is like the dumbest, most ignorant thing I have ever heard in my entire life. It violates fully and completely the word of God and the entire institution of marriage. The idea is we'll get married, but we both agree that we'll have other relationships outside of our marriage to please ourselves and our flesh. But we'll be married. We're going to go into this marriage agreeing that. Is that the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life? That is the God of this world perverting marriage and what God intended. But spiritually, that idea tries to creep into the church. God, I want to open relationship with you. I want to have intimacy with you, but I also want to be able to fellowship the world. I also want to be able to do the things of the world. And I don't want to acknowledge that it's sin within me that's doing it. I'd rather just say that it's, you know, I'm covered by his grace. Well, grace does work. I'm not denying grace, you understand. But I have to acknowledge the sin issue because the marriage is what matters. Hear me. The marriage supper of the Lamb is not going to be for adulterers and fornicators. And We understand this. And so I have to settle these things. I have to let the Lord reveal to me, you know what? Man, spiritually... God, if I'm violating our relationship by my relationships with and in the world, God, deliver me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body? That's what Paul's talking about. And he gave the answer when he said in the final verse of chapter 7, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He understood his deliverance was coming through Jesus Christ. He wasn't producing in his own effort and ability. And if you and I are here and we go, man, I got to figure out how to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. We can't. And that's what Paul was saying. The only way is to be committed to the marriage relationship. And then my husband is able. He has the authority to deliver me from the bondage of sin and death. Why do you think the adversary... Wants to keep me in relationship with him. You know, we understand spiritual things by natural, right? Scripture teaches us that. Is there anybody here that would agree with me that Satan desires to break up the family? Anybody here would agree with me that Satan desires to destroy marriages? Okay. I I thought we would. 
That's in the natural. What we see in the natural is simply indicative of what he really wants to do in the spiritual. And so I promise you much, much more. He's wanting to entice us and draw us to things of this world, the God of this world. He doesn't mind if we're in a He doesn't mind if we're in a relationship with God. As long as it's not a committed relationship with God. Are you hearing me? Satan doesn't care if you're in a relationship with God. As long as it's not a committed relationship with God. He'll share you. Ooh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We we need to pray right now. He wants us to himself. This is the desire of God. Now, I I would share that you could take this and share this with some people and they'd be like, man, you're judgmental. No, no, no. God wants us to himself. I'm not telling you I got this all figured out. The spirit of God is dealing with me like I hope and trust he's dealing with you. I'm starting to examine. I want to be examining things in relationships, in my life, in my actions, in my activities, in where I spend my time, in where my eyes go, in what I read, in what I take in, in what I let in. I don't want to fellowship the God of this world. I want purity in a relationship, don't you? He does too. He does too. He does too. And I do not apologize. There are many in our world who are being deceived by false prophets who are painting the picture that you can just live how you want to live. Jesus loves you and it'll be all right. Only part of that that's true is Jesus loves you. It's the only part that's true. He loves you. He loves me. 
And he loves us so much. It is a jealous love. And he wants us to himself. And he's not interested in sharing his bride with anybody else. He wants you. He wants me. His desire is that together we would produce fruit unto God. I feel the beckoning of the Spirit of God inviting us to separation from things that are not of Him. And commitment of our lives in a deeper degree. I promise you it's freedom like you and I have never known. And I hear some saying, but I can't. And you're right. But he can. He can. He can. But don't believe the lie of the adversary that says, because I falter, he'll cast me away. Because we have Hosea as a reference. He'll come again. But we have to continue that too. Don't just think, well, because he keeps reaching for me. I can just do what I want and he'll keep reaching. There will come a day. There will come a day. He will say, you've made your choice. Scripture's clear. His spirit will not always strive with man. I know of individuals on the journey who have tried to time things in their life. They lived for God and they went away. And if you would talk to them, I would hear statements like this. Oh, I'm going to make my way back. I'm, you know, I'm just sort of living life a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to get back. I'm going to get right. And tragedy would come. They had the best of intentions. They had the best of intentions. I've talked face to face with people. Where one on one where God gave me boldness to speak to what I knew. Or what the spirit revealed. They'd weep, break, cry. I know repentant. Seemed and then walk away. And some I knew personally that never made it back. I knew people in great health, made no sense, had a heart attack and gone. What happened? Tell you what happened. They were married to another, but not the another that Paul was telling us about. They had a relationship with God, but they had a relationship with the adversary. The adversary, false doctrine, false religion of our world is preaching a God of open relationships. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Why don't you stand with me? Man, I know this is heavy. I, I guess the Lord didn't let me know everywhere we were going tonight just because 
little bit. We haven't got halfway through the scripture she shared with me. That's all right. I feel the heart of people that are that are with me tonight saying, I, I want this relationship. I want to give you a time to pray. I want to give you a time to find a place of prayer and talk with the Lord. There is a drawing of the Spirit. Chapter 7 of Romans finished. Paul said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. With my mind, I serve the law of God, the flesh, the law of sin. He continued and said, there is therefore now no condemnation. I love that part. There is therefore now no condemnation. Watch what he says. This changes it. See, watch. To them which are in Christ Jesus. He's still talking about a marriage relationship. And he's saying, if you're in Christ Jesus, if that relationship of commitment is there, no condemnation. You know where condemnation comes from? When I'm unfaithful. Now, you relate to that in the natural. It's even greater in the spiritual. Right? We, we come home sometimes. We've been over somebody's house. They got a dog. That dog runs around, jumps on our, well, don't jump on my lap, but might like be up on, you know, that dog running around, whatever. We play with another dog, I, whatever. We come home, we walk in the house. Our dog comes running up. Many of you have met our dog, Oliver. Bless your heart. And he, Oliver comes running up, and, and boy, he recognizes right away. Right? There's been somebody else besides me. Right? Anybody that's got a dog knows what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, usually he runs up. He just wants you to pet and scratch, right? Sticks his head up. Boy, he runs up, and he's like, whoa, hold on a minute. His head goes down. He wants to sniff the pant leg, the shoe. He goes to somebody else. Let's check. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to figure out what's going on. What I smell is not Oliver. I'm just... Not trying to remove the conviction of the Holy Ghost, but I'm trying to lighten the room a little bit for us. But understand, he recognizes, hold on a minute, there's been another dog. Unfaithfulness brings condemnation. You know what I'm talking about, right? We've all experienced condemnation. And so Paul said, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Right? This is what Paul was talking about, warring in the members. You walk after the flesh, I walk after the flesh. Condemnation. Why is there condemnation? Because I'm unfaithful in the relationship. We just go, oh, walk in the flesh, walk in the spirit. Sometimes I walk in the flesh, and so therefore, you know, I have a little condemnation. No, no, no. He's talking about a marriage relationship. And so what happens is I walk in the flesh. I'm now unfaithful to the spirit. Condemnation comes. But when I walk in the spirit, there is no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. 
That's why I must live and walk. And we're just going to stop at 8 and 1 because we could keep going, but we won't. Would you find a place of prayer and talk to the Lord a little bit tonight? Come on, the love of God is... He's wanting fruit. He's wanting fruit. Fruit is a product of a committed relationship. While fruit is a product of a committed relationship. We live in a world even today that is trying to blur that. But while fruit of the spirit is a product of a committed relationship with God. He wants a committed relationship with you and I. Would you let the love of God draw you back close tonight? Come on, let the love of God draw you back close. That's what you're feeling here tonight. It's the love of God that loves us enough to express himself to us and share with us how much he loves us. His desire for intimacy, spiritual intimacy with us. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you.